Come to Lethbridge and join an innovative community for entrepreneurs. With more than a quarter of the 100,000 population under the age of 34, Lethbridge brims with energy. We'll help you to kickstart, innovate, and grow. Lethbridge, Southern Alberta's hub for innovation and technology. It's the bright choice for business builders. Go to chooselethbridge.ca slash entrepreneur and we'll help you move and grow in Lethbridge. Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi, it's Bonnie, it's LG with Canada's podcast. And today we're talking with Calgary-based entrepreneur, Guillermo Salazar, who is the co-founder and CEO of I See What You See, a technology company that offers customer service self-support using augmented video. So we're going to dig into that in a little bit. But first of all, Guillermo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bonnie. I really appreciate you setting this up. Yeah. Well, you have a, a really interesting story to share about your company. But before we get into that, let's um, take a bit of a step back. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and, and your history as to what's taken you to where you are today? Certainly. Uh, not a problem. I mean, so I started, uh, I was in my professional career for 20, 22 years, um, came out of university and started with a big four firm and worked with them for a number of years, and then was on my own for a bit. So like many people in, in the Alberta region, I was an independent contractor for a number of years <clears throat> and worked on worked with many different you know, companies along the way. And, um, and there was a point in, in kind of my journey where I realized that there's, a, you know, I've been working with a group of people that I really enjoyed working with. And um, we had uh, complementary skill sets and complementary offers to the marketplace. And there was, at the time, there was a bit of a gap in the marketplace in terms of um, the ability for our kind of our collective or the market to buy services that were local and skilled um, and coordinated, right, and organized and um, versus just the big firms. And so the big thing that we offered relative to kind of the staffing organizations that are out there, certainly you know, there's a good marketplace and market for them, is we operated kind of like a, an intermediate uh, offering where we were organized, coordinated, and we were all, you know, we were all uh, using the same methodologies and the same principles and same approaches. So uh, the market was really receptive to that. And uh, we were ultimately acquired by Deloitte in 2013 and uh, worked for Deloitte for three and a half years, just a, little, a little over that, and, uh, and then went back into the entrepreneurial space again after, after being with Deloitte. Okay. Well, I, I think your, your journey is really interesting and, and um, you know, timely because currently, certainly in Calgary, and I think across Canada, we're seeing people needing to reinvent themselves or making that transition from more of a traditional corporate role into perhaps owning their own business or partnering with somebody and, and founding a business. So can you tell us a little bit about what that transition was like for you when you when you made the change? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's important to for people to understand or to, to get, get their heads around the you know, you don't hear a lot about follow your passion, right? And and I think that that's maybe a bit misleading. Uh, I think it should be stated as be passionate about a problem, right? It's probably a better way of putting it in terms of converting that into entrepreneurism. Certainly, if you're passionate about uh, cross-country skiing and you cross-country ski every day, you should go do that. But if, you, if you're trying to find a problem to solve as it relates to cross-country skiing, then, then, you know, understand what that looks like and, and be passionate about that problem. And so my journey in terms of um, both the consulting piece my, I have also a consumer products company called Raven Hockey. And then in addition to that, starting up ICUTC, 
is really finding a passion for a problem. So with Quattro, when we founded that, it was about the inefficiency in the market in the marketplace for delivering um, delivering you know enterprise technology projects. Um, for Raven Hockey, it was the inability to to find a stick in the marketplace for players under 13 years old, years old. And then for with ICHUC, it really was um, a challenge, a frustration with customer service and how we consumed it and then how it's deployed and delivered. And, and at each point, different types of technology was used to be able to, to achieve that efficiency in an inefficient market. Some of it really old technology, like the consulting space is really about just being coordinated. Um, in the, in the, um, in the Raven space, it was you know commercial, physical technology, material-based technology, and design, and then also go to market. And then I see, I see what you see. It's really about edge technology, cloud computing, all these things that are really that are uh, we're really beginning to emerge in our day-to-day life and bringing it together into a single consumable product. So you know, three different problems. Passionate about each of them equally, uh, and certainly much more passionate at the time when we executed on those different situations or opportunities, I should say. And then, and I guess getting into a point that for those that are considering entrepreneurism, really thinking about how you can go to market and figuring out how you can get your first customer. And I know that sounds um, obvious, but there's, it's very, uh, you make yourself very vulnerable when you go out there and try and sell something. And, uh, and Alberta is not a great, uh, we're not known for our sales prowess. We're known for producing things and offering the market that's willing to buy you know, whatever we produce. Um, and that's something that everyone's got to really think through is who's going to buy it? Why are they going to buy it? And how are they going to buy it? And then making yourself vulnerable so that they can buy it. Mm-hmm. That's a big, huge difference that um, many, many people don't, don't get exposure to in their corporate environment. Um, but that first step to selling, you know, one person, one thing, one time uh, can really open up an entire career uh, of, of thinking for people. And, and so that would be my one learning in my life is, is really try and find that first person to sell them something that, you know, you don't have to overinvest in to prove out your ideas. Mm-hmm. So did you know, like, as, as um, you were in your corporate world and, and working in that space, did you always have kind of that entrepreneurial spirit though inside you? Was it something that, that has been been there all of your life or something that emerged as you went through your career i'm i'm interested in in what kind of gave you the courage if you will to make the leap and and uh and move into that space well i appreciate using the word courage but i think it's it's probably more impatience and restlessness is <laughs> yeah. probably a better way of putting it um i certainly um am uh, you know the 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 language or the, the privilege of being an entrepreneur is something that doesn't happen for everybody. And it's something that you create for yourself. And I think my, my heritage and my background and, and kind of my upbringing probably has a lot to do with the fact that I, I want to make sure that I, that, that, you know, that I'm protected or I'm covered and my family's protected, my family's covered. And, and I think that there's also a big part about it in, in frustration with um, some of the way that solutions are being deployed. And, and that would include the way people are coached, the way organizations are cultures built, what's important to different organizations. And there's just a really belief that, you know, there's a better way that we can do this. And it can be, you can be profitable, you can make your customers happy, and you can have an inspired and aspirational group of employees working for you all at the same time. Whereas I think a lot of organizations feel that that's something you have to trade off. Mm, okay. Okay. 
So um, was there anything that when you made the change, it really surprised you? Like despite the many years of experience that you had in the business world and, and working in a consulting um, firm, obviously would have a lot of exposure to different companies, but was there something that was like, wow, I didn't see that coming or didn't, you know, realize? Sure. Oh, 100%. I would say that the the single biggest thing that I learned, and maybe this is entrepreneurialism versus corporate, and I didn't spend too much time in corporate, mm-hmm. but in entrepreneurialism, it's very clear that a community is out there to help everybody else. And I did not have that same experience in corporate where entrepreneurialism, if you need help and you can find somebody, there are people that are available to help you. They'll help you on Sunday afternoon. And they don't expect, they typically don't expect anything in return. Um, they want to see you be successful. So there's there's a, a mindset of abundance that is characteristic of entrepreneurialism mm-hmm. that is that you you have to have when you go into it. And I think that the same truth would be be prepared to give back as well when someone asks you for support or help, because it is a it can be a very lonely journey, and it doesn't need to be. It can be a very emotional, uh, emotionally frustrating and strenuous journey, and it doesn't have to be. Um, it's going to be more emotional than corporate. It's going to have more ups and downs than corporate, um, but that is also the thrill of it: is that it's 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 a, a persevere and succeed. And the people that you work with when you're in entrepreneurialism are some of the most incredible people in the world that, that, that lead with best intentions. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's, it's like you said earlier, you know, find something that you're passionate about, but also a problem that you care deeply about that you're trying to solve. And so mm-hmm. that definitely feeds into the emotional part of the journey as well, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, I see what you see. And uh, I understand that this all kind of started with your frustration with a garage door. Yes, it's true. So, you know, <laughs> and it's funny. I mean, we we all have waited. We've all have called the technician and waited for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And depending on who you are, what your expectations were, maybe had less than an incredible experience with your product or in your service. And so uh, my experience is that, yes, my garage door failed. And probably took about um, six to eight weeks to actually get it sorted out. Fortunately for me at the time, it was over the summer months. I mean, it would be terrible if it was today in this cold weather we're suffering through right now. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a function of why, you know, with all the technology we have available to us, why are we still waiting? Why am I waiting eight weeks? Why am I waiting, you know, um, through nine different technician phone calls to try and get somebody that can help me? Why is that next call an hour and a half long? Why do I have to call a technician to come to my house and wait for them and really challenge that uh, status quo that we all kind of accept for these infrequent transactions? When in fact, that you, 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 you know, do some research, people would rather go to the dentist than call a helpline, right? And, and you know, not that going to the dentist is all that bad, but it's, you know, it is something that people, you know, avoid. And so, you know, we live in this world where we have uh, everything is on demand. I mean, get an on-demand ride, obviously a meal, groceries, you can get an on-demand date, but you can't get someone to give you advice on demand. That seems ridiculous. And largely it's because none of the technology is in place to make it practical. And that's what we, you know, that's where we started solving the problem. So we took our problem that we can, we conceived and did a bit of research and, and tested it with the market. And uh, Mark was very positive in responding that it was a, a problem that needed to be solved. And and I think subsequent to what I was saying earlier about be passionate about a problem, 
be passionate about a problem that needs to be solved urgently, right? And that'll help you with a whole lot of sales cycles. And so we found a problem that was urgently needed to be urgently solved and, and went to market with it. And the market's been incredibly receptive and they have supported us in helping develop features and, and make sure we're building the best product for their circumstances, which really has driven out a lot of the differentiation within our product and all the other competitors that are out there or maybe substitutes and competitors in the market. Okay. So who are your customers with, with your product? Like who, yeah. who are you reaching out to? So we typically target, you know, they, three qualifying criteria. They have to have customers that are distributed. They've got a service teams that are distributed and service has to be a cost center. Those are where we really do well. And, uh, and so that qualifies uh, where our verticals we target, which is ut uh, utilities, uh, construction, construction services. Within those three, you know, let's say two verticals, three sub-verticals, we, we do really well. And, and as we're learning within the market and, and building products that fit them, uh, that have built the purpose for their industries. Okay. So how I, I was doing a bit of research and I read that, that you actually secured a pilot. Was it with ATCO? Yes. So yeah. We were very fortunate. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think our listeners would be really interested, you know, to be able to get that first big opportunity like that, which then can help to start to create that momentum for growth would be sure. really helpful. Well, it's a, it's a good piece of evidence around what I was saying earlier around the network is very willing to help you with introductions, you know, if, if you're one that gives it back. And so I had had a, a previous idea that I'd pitched to somebody that didn't work out. And then, uh, and subsequently we kind of connected a number of times. I'd helped him out a little bit and he helped me out a little bit. And then, and then we had this idea for I see what you see. And we had a product in place we could talk to. And so we talked to this fellow or a friend of mine who's actually, he's got a startup as well that, you know, and in the marketplace, Norm Bogner, and asked Norm, said, hey, Norm, could we get an introduction to your folks at Atco so we can pitch you on what this idea is? And we sent them a pretty, uh, you know, a bit of a teaser deck and said, hey, um, you know, let's, can we come together for a meeting and we'll, we'll talk through it? And the executives that came into the room, we were fortunate in that this is a combination of like, do you need to be lucky or, or you know, is it luck or skill? I really am a belief that you got to be ready more than anything else. And so we were ready for a meeting um, for these executives. They came in and we had probably a 45 minute meeting about what we wanted to do and our vision for the world. And they agreed. And so they promptly pushed us and said, get it done. And uh, we were, we were fortunate. I mean, utilities may or may not get a, a bad reputation for lack of innovation, but our experience has been very, very um, much in terms of uh, they're looking to make their customer experience better. They're looking to innovate. And um, and that they're they're very very um, well they're a great partner to have for sure. Mm -hmm. And then every single one we've had in terms of utility space has been equally as uh, engaged in driving out innovation to to solve this urgent problem for them. Right. So how have you grown your company? Like if we were to to talk a little bit, I understand that you're expanding across North America and even mm -hmm. work with with customers in Australia. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So how did that growth happen? Like, how do you make that? that you know, again, it's, I think it's a lot about understanding the human, the human condition and, and, and what everyone is looking to do in terms of being successful. And so we make, we, we take a lot of pride in making sure we understand the motivations of our customers, what makes them successful, what makes them fulfilled and ensure that we're giving them, you know, much as we can in terms of, information, data, things that they can share so that they can become advocates for us. Ultimately, as a human, 
if you've made a good decision, there's nothing better than telling somebody else about that decision. And so we want to make sure that they're empowered with enough information so they can share that with as many people as possible. And so we, you know, we produce monthly content that they can share about their, you know, their choices and, and how they're impacting their particular function. And, um, and we allow them, we, you know, we build it so it's shareable. And so from there, we've gotten um, a tremendous amount of, of advocacy from our customer group because of the transformative impact on their business services and business functions and um, how easy it is. We make it so simple for them to tell the story. We basically bundle it up for them. So they've got a, an image that tells the story for them. Mm-hmm. And that drives a lot of that internal engine around, um, you know, uh, uh, rec- um, recommendations for us, right? Within the, the sales network. And then outside of that, we've done a tremendous amount of work in learning about the industry problems and how we can begin to really um, provide a relative benefit to everybody within the industry and working to educate the industry on what's possible when things are really easy to do. Tech Connect, a center for entrepreneurship and innovation in Lethbridge, has been springboarding entrepreneurs to success for 10 years and counting. Our spirit of innovation is a way of life. We have an incredible environment. Our innovators are not afraid to stand apart because they know that in Lethbridge, we are brighter together. We are Lethbridge. Come and join us. Go to chooselethbridge.ca slash entrepreneur and we'll help you move and grow in Lethbridge. So how do you do that in in a world that we're in right now where you're not able yeah. to, to go to, to, you know, conferences or have those face-to-face boardroom meetings? Like how, how has the last 12 months impacted the way that you do your business? It, it's been, uh, it's been, there's been some tailwinds. It's been incredible. Um, for so to the conference conversation, we are this year we're attending our first rounds. Or actually, we attended some of the fall, um, the fall conferences, and they're virtual conferences. And so we have a, a an ability to be in many places at once. So what would have been a previous constraint around say travel or logistics or budget mm-hmm. uh, or don't exist any longer. And so we're able to get in front of many many people very quickly you know, obviously multiple people, multiple parts of the world in a single day. And so, and now that we're all very accustomed to having these conversations, um, like we're having right now over video, we, we, we scale, you know, our sales operations on any given day, we've sell, we've sold from Turkey through to Perth, Australia, all in the same day. Mm-hmm. And you just manage the schedule and you're not flying anywhere. You're not, you know, you just manage timetables. And so, You've got an 8 a.m. meeting in Calgary that's 5 p.m. in Istanbul time. And if I've got a 5 p.m. meeting in Calgary, that's 8 a.m. Perth time. And you just make it work. And so, but in a single day, I can touch, you know, whatever, 15 time zones. And so it's not, it's, it's, a, it's more of an opportunity than it is a constraint. And certainly for the product that we're talking about and talking to, for I see what you see, there's, a, there's an appetite to solve a problem. And, uh, and again, we, we're, we've had enough sales cycles that we are comfortable having the discussion very quickly and very clearly about the value proposition we provide and how the you know how we de-risk their business and how easy it is to deploy. Excellent, excellent. So, where do you hope things will be in five years from now? Do you will you have another Oof. company or five years? That's a long time away. <laughs> that's that, like yeah, a I lifetime. <laughs> that's a lifetime. Um, okay. I really, I mean, I I think that. Practically speaking, ICUC will be a, a very big company mm-hmm. in five years. Uh, the leadership team will still be in place. And, uh, you know, I hope that we're, 
I mean, our measure stick is that we've changed what people expect from a mobile, from a field service perspective. And the way of doing work will be the ICU2C way. And that will completely transform the way work is, is performed, making it safer, quicker, obviously less expensive, and certainly much less complex than the way it is today. There's, a, there's an overriding complexity in the way work is performed right now that um, the system is, is, is just been, you know, you know, it's been over investing and making it more complex rather than trying to making it amazingly simple. And so that's something that we really focus on. So in five years, geez, we're, we're a half a billion dollar company. Uh, we're in at least five continents. We're helping people all over the place. Some things we're really aspirational about is you want to build in uh, real-time translation so that you know it, we really can enable service for anyone from anyone at any time. So that you know, if if you're not an English speaker, but you have an English service center, they can support you and help you using augmented reality, using artificial intelligence, and using on uh, real-time translation. And that's a world we'd love to see, love to think about, is where we've got instant accessibility to service for anyone around the world at any time. And that's not available right now because of geograph geography, cultural, age, all those different reasons, and 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 affordability. So we can bust down those barriers, and we can really transform the way service is consumed. Then, uh, then we will have achieved our mission and we'll be well on our way to being incredibly successful and changing the way um, you know, people think about the way they deliver work. Well, I look forward to that conversation in five years to, yeah, <laughs> to hear about all the success that you've had. Um, before we get into just a couple of personal questions to kind of round out the interview, um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, we know that Calgary is going through a transition in terms of its economy and, and focus and moving away from maybe more of that traditional oil and gas industry that the city's been known for into more of a, a space for technology companies and a real concerted effort to, to attract those types of co companies to Calgary. And I'm just wondering what your perspective is as um, the owner of a company, a founder of a company um, that plays in that space. How is Calgary to do business? Uh, well, you know, our experience is a great example of the Calgary story, right? I mean, we had people that help us, that helped us provide our first introductions, and then our customers helped us with other introductions. There is a there is a there's a genuine desire in in Calgary in a, in a, in a Calgarian to help other people, mm -hmm. and uh, and you know I think that entrepreneurialism is a vehicle for us to demonstrate that and prove that out to the world, and um, and so for everybody that's out there right trying to figure out how to make the pivot. Maybe the, the answer isn't, you know, how you can sell someone or how you can ask someone for a favor, but get out there and see how you can offer support, mm -hmm. right? How can you find out what your, what you can contribute? And that can be coaching. That could be even being a trial customer, being a devil's advocate, being all those different things that an entrepreneur, any entrepreneur or anybody with an idea needs to have access to in order to be successful. And there's a lot of folks in town that are doing really good jobs at, um, at, at bringing those communities together. And, uh, and those groups are really, have been leading the way for a number of years in, uh, in enabling it. And I would say that why I'm optimistic is that before the big challenge for, uh, for maybe technology was that was we had to compete with oil and gas. Mm -hmm. And oil and gas was trusted, was available, was always hiring and taking um, some of, and, and you know, obviously absorbing some of the stronger talent for, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, every second Friday off and all those kind of oil and gas type perks. And, and I think now that that's a challenge. I mean, I'm optimistic that now there's space for technology in this city. And uh, I think that we're going to be, so I'll take the, the, there's space for technology in the city. The talent exists, the grit exists. And I think that the, the uh, desire to get the work done, it also exists. And so with those two, three, four different catalysts just waiting to be um, net, uh, mixed together, the rest of the thing we need to figure out is a problem that we want to solve and then uh, a way to sell it. Right. Awesome. Thank you for that. That's, that's uh, a really positive uh, way to end at this part of our discussion. And, and before we say goodbye, just wanted to ask you, a couple questions more about the personal routines or things that you've done for yourself to um, be successful as an entrepreneur. So, you know, we often hear about either the 5 a.m. morning routine or different things that that uh, people will do, business leaders will do to, to be successful. And I'm curious, is there anything that you can share with our listeners in terms of what you've found that works really well for you. Um, it sounds like you're up all the time with all the different time zones <laughs> that you're <laughs> managing with your customers. But but what are some of your keys to, to success just in terms of, of yourself personally? For sure. I, I learned late in life um, that I needed to have a routine. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly late in my professional career and being a consultant doesn't really help that. I, I learned that I needed to have a morning fitness routine and I need, I need to have a morning uh, plan routine. And uh, those came to me, the fitness routine came, I'll say 10 years ago, uh, less than that, seven years ago, uh, where I really learned that I needed to have uh, an alertness about my day when I first started out. And that came from, you know, working out. And so now I'm pretty regular, you know, obviously there's times when you fall off the the bike, so to speak, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, I've got the equipment now and I've got the routine and it's important to me to do. And it's something that I, that, you know, if I don't do it, it's, it's very obvious to be in my day. So I miss it when it doesn't happen. So fitness will start the day off. So yeah, I get up at like quarter after five in the morning, five 30, five 45, so around there. Now we don't have to drive anymore. You can get up at five 45 and sleep in. Totally. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, a quick workout and then I go through a, plan, a daily planning routine. I use a Panda planner and I basically go through, you know, what I'm grateful for, which reading, I'm reading mine right now, what I'm grateful for, what I get excited about, daily affirmation, what I'm focusing on today. Uh, and then I, I log my exercise and then I talk to my priorities and my calendar. And uh, it only takes about 15 minutes, but I find, you know, if I've worked out in a day and I've done my, you know, 15 minute of planning, I have mental clarity at, around what's important during the day. And I'm able to take on those, those tasks. That doesn't mean that my day doesn't get um, taken hostage by other things and other emergencies, but I, I am able to really prioritize. So one of the things that I'm working on right now is, is building out that within our team structure. So I have a kind of a, I have a private organization routine, but now I need to have a public organization routine that I share with the team. So that's something that I'm working on, on doing. And then that's, that's a, you know, like I said, uh, earlier in entrepreneurism, you're always learning something new. I'm learning how to do that. And so, and so transition from just a private routine to a public routine. And do you have any favorite books or resources that, that you podcast that, that kind of you go to? For sure. For... I definitely, there's, there's a book that I read about six, seven years ago that I like to reread re every other year or so called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. It's a wonderful book about 
And I think that everybody who's listening to your podcast in Alberta would really benefit from listening to it or reading that book because it's, it's, it's a quick book to read. Like most of those business books, it's probably could finish it in you know, a couple hours. Um, but really talking about changing your mindset in, in giving first and understanding the value you have to offer. And I think that something that everyone's probably really dealing with is, is it gives you a framework for understanding compensation and what your value, what you are worth. Like just because you were paid something two years ago, doesn't necessarily mean you're worth that right now. And so knowing what that means doesn't mean you're worth less, but it means that you're just not getting paid the same. And divorcing ourselves from the, the compensation metric is a way to unlock uh, entrepreneurialism because there is, there is, it, it is a, you know, it's a path of, 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 you know, challenge in terms of, of, uh, of monetary stability. And so it's something that people should be aware of and understand that if they have peace, if they're at peace with the value they create and how the value you create is related to your compensation, not what someone else makes, then you become very aligned with the work that you do because you believe in the process. And, you know, I really have to write this down to myself. It's in my daily affirmation today, even to believe in the process because the process does yield returns. It just doesn't feel like it sometimes. And so, you know, understand the process, believe in the process and work the process and you will have successful outcomes. That is a book I'm going to pick up. Thank you for the recommendation. And always funny. Yeah. So um, is there anything else at all, Guillermo, that you would like to add or, or share with our listeners before we, we end our chat today? I, I, you know, I think that given that we talked about earlier, like the, the, the transition that many people are being, that's being thrust upon them. I think that there's a big opportunity for everyone to understand that. Um, and I mentioned this earlier in a different previous discussion that we are a pioneering province and we need to operate and understand that, that we are, uh, masters of our own destiny and domain. And we need to uh, own accountability for that. And so if there are things that are external to us that are complicating our success, we need to figure out a way to work over that, around that, or into that, through it. And, uh, and that might mean changing what our offer is to the global market or what we're offering in terms of our personal, um, personal offer and, and really understand that. And if we, have peace with what we what we offer the market we have peace with what the value is to that market then you can really be happy and so i think that there's a there's this that it's it's not about um more stuff it's really about the fulfillment that we can bring to market and and if you do that like you will find happiness and i think that there's a big problem right now in calgary is we've got this really so alberta we've got this misunderstanding of what it means to be happy and, um, and, you know, that's something we need to understand and you can be happy and be wealthy at the same time. Um, and you can also be unhappy and be wealthy at the same time. And so it's understanding what reconciliation you need to, and whatever you need to do in order to achieve those objectives. Cause I've got a goal to be happy and I've got a goal for everybody else around to be happy. Mm -hmm. I also have a goal to be wealthy. And those two things are not compromises. And I, I think that if we all understood the things that make us, that drive us, and, and understand the, the service that we need to provide in order to get to where we want to go. Um, we will achieve the objectives we want to be and we'll be the city we want to be. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big part of it is, is re-understanding, re you know, readdressing what we bring to market as a province, as a people and as a person. 
and, and really marketing that to the world and telling the world how important that is. And I can't think of a better way to end the interview. Thank you so much. I think that's a really important thought and you're right, it's so timely. And given what, what we've all been through across Canada, but in particular, it's, it's been maybe a bit more challenging here in Calgary. Um, thank you for that. Oh, no, Bonnie, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for hosting this podcast. Yeah, so just in, in closing, if our listeners wanted to find you online or learn a little bit more about I See What You See, where can they connect with you? Sure. Best places are Twitter and LinkedIn or can I do all my, all my business interests. So Twitter, G Salazar 100 uh, or I see what you see live. Uh, and the same thing on, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Guillermo Salazar YYC on LinkedIn or uh, I see what you see live as well on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure to have you Guillermo on our, our podcast today. Thank you so much. And Thank you, uh, Bonnie. look forward to connecting with you again. Wonderful. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bold, vibrant, technological. In Lethbridge, our spirit of innovation is more than just the way we do business. It's the way we live and the way we succeed. We'll help you to kickstart, innovate, and grow in Lethbridge, Southern Alberta's hub for innovation and technology. It's the bright, affordable choice for business builders. Go to chooselethbridge.ca slash entrepreneur and we'll help you move and grow in Lethbridge.